Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval. Happy to be here to share our faith with you and to talk about our health, our spiritual health, our mental health, and even our bodily health. You know, it all happens at the same time. There's no time where we're not body, mind, and spirit. And there's no time that our body, mind, and spirit shouldn't be geared towards the truths of our Catholic faith. Well, folks, here we are starting up at the top of the noon hour. So let's start with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God. Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, we're not quite into the Christmas season. I know that we're looking around and it kind of feels like, hey, Christmas is upon us and we should start celebrating Christmas. And when you go to, you know, if you're at work or uh, just even going around the stores, everything's already festive and and the stores are dressed up and with all the Christmas flair and everything's being decorated for Christmas. But the reality is we're not in Christmas yet. You know, as Catholics, we do things a little bit differently. Our, our calendar is a little bit different. Uh, we have started the, the our official liturgical calendar year with Advent. And with that comes actually time of sacrifice. So a lot of people don't realize it, but a lot of people think, oh, you know, we're already being festive with Thanksgiving. Uh, it's already a nice holiday. And now we're going to just continue that on uh, into and continue to celebrate all through Christmas. And then Christmas Day happens and we say, hey, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, and then we kind of stop, but we then we say, okay, now we got to look forward to the new year. But as Catholics, that's not what we do. As Catholics, we actually say it's not Christmas yet. You know, we're we're in, in the process of Advent. We're in the process of preparing for Christmas. So during the Advent season, it's actually a time of fasting and sacrifice and prayer. Um, we can't get away sometimes from the holiday parties, as they say, um, but we can make that extra effort to say hey, maybe I have to go to the holiday party for work because, gosh, if I don't show up, my boss is going to say, what are you doing? You got to be here. Or if I don't show up, you know, it's not going to look good, um, whatever the situation is. But while we're at the holiday party, maybe we're not going to indulge in all of the 
uh, libations that are put out for us, or maybe we're going to make a little secret sacrifice for us as we know that we are still preparing for Christmas. The interesting part is that for us as Catholics, we start celebrating Christmas on the 25th. And technically speaking, Christmas time is all the way until February 2nd. But more than anything else, we celebrate the octave. So we start celebrating from the 25th all the way uh, for for a whole week, right? And we anticipate the coming of the Epiphany. So the eight days is a big celebration. Whenever in our Catholic faith we have an octave or an eight-day celebration, um, it's a celebration of completion. It's a celebration uh, that reminds us of creation. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful, beautiful celebration. Now, some of my, some of my friends are uh, <clears throat> uh, a little confused and a little perturbed and sometimes get upset because uh, right around this time when we think, gosh, we're going to celebrate the coming of our, of our, uh, of our Lord, we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus was born. Uh, we, we sing the beautiful Christmas carols uh, that, of course, are, are for Christ. Uh, you know, the first Noel, we sing Silent Night. We, sing, we have all these great traditions. And yet, all of a sudden, we start to see that why is it in the middle of this that we start to see the devil pop his head up? Well, <clears throat> you know, he can't be undone. He always wants to have a little bit of a show. And so there was an article that came up that a few people uh, asked me about. And I just thought that it was an interesting article. It, uh, I'll just read the title. It says, Satanic Hail Santa Christmas Tree Faces Blowback for Display at Wisconsin Museum. Uh, and this article was very interesting. When I saw that, I thought, well, I've never heard of a satanic Christmas tree. But it doesn't surprise me. I remember uh, some time back, I don't remember specifically the city, uh, but, you know, there was Christmas displays at a city hall somewhere. And, you know, everybody had to do their best Christmas display. And if I recall correctly, there was one that was open to the the um, the satanic religion. And they would have like a hand with an apple and talk about knowledge and whatnot. But let's look at this article and see what's going on. And ask ourselves, really, should we be scandalized? Should we be surprised? Should we be uh, frustrated? I don't know. Let's see. It says the tree belonging to the satanic temple was adorned with red lighting and beads, pentagrams, and various ornaments with one reading, Hail Santa. Obviously, Santa, a play on words there to Satan, um, you know, take it for what it is. You know, we always know about St. Nicholas. And do we think Santa is evil? No. Do we think that we play up Santa too much a little bit sometimes? Yeah. If our kids are waiting for Santa more than understanding the birth of Christ, then we got to ask ourselves a little bit about what we're doing. But let's see what this article says. Let's see what's so interesting or why they would allow this tree. It says a Wisconsin museum is facing backlash after its annual Christmas tree festival included a Christmas tree from the Satanic Temple. So there was backlash. That's that's interesting to note. You know, a lot of times we read these articles and they say, no, there's not going to be any backlash. We're just going to accept this. And we are rightfully, you know, upset as Catholics. We got it. We ask ourselves, what's going on here? It says the National Railroad Museum uh, in Oshawabanon, Oshawabanon, I think you say that right, features 66 trees on display. The tree from the Satanic Temple of Wisconsin invoked the ire of a Republican congressman who called it cultural propaganda and offensive. Well, yeah, of course, you know, to anybody who's Christian, Catholic, uh, follows Christ, will always find it's offensive. You know, we live in the era where we say everybody has a voice, everybody has something to say. Um, and I get that for human beings. We should all have a voice. We should all have something to say and understand that. But as Catholics, we understand that 
hell already had their voice they had their choice when god made the angels and said hey come follow me um that was the time to have a voice and they said either yes or no and when they said no that was it their voice was over because the reality is our voice is made to proclaim god that's what it comes down to if we're not proclaiming god i pretty much guarantee you that you're not going to feel healthy you're not going to feel healthy spiritually you're not going to feel healthy mentally you're probably not going to feel healthy physically um whether you know it or not but a lot of times people don't realize why is it that i'm not feeling well dr sandoval why is it you know it's because i read this article and i'm feeling awful and, and that's what made me feel bad you know how do i fix this depression no it's not because of the article i could read so many articles and and of course they're going to move me one way or another i might be called to action i might be moved to feel a certain way about things but does that mean that my whole world is over well only if i don't have my anchor in christ only if i don't put my hope in christ because even if i read something like this and i say what's the world coming to oh my gosh they're overtaking us oh my goodness the satanic temple is going to overtake christmas Eh, impossible can never happen it might seem to happen that way on on the on the surface but in reality in our hearts it's never going to happen let's see what the article goes on to say it says conservatives are often accused of launching a culture war for focusing or fixating on cultural issues but here is a perfect example of how that's not what's happening what's happening is we're just trying to defend basic traditions or defend our children in the midst of these basic traditions from the encroachment of woke ideology or offensive upside down cultural propaganda so representative mike gallagher republican of wisconsin said on a sunday morning um sunday morning, morning futures must be a show <clears throat> says the tree belonging to the satanic temple was adorned with red lighting and beads pentagrams and various ornaments with one reading hail santa an apparent play off the phrase hail satan obviously um and they show a picture of the tree it's just bright red this bright red tree but really the question is what does it represent and we're going to get into that in a little bit the article goes on to say a gender diversity tree included pink and blue colored trans flags and ornaments with sayings such as protect trans kids a big sunday show panel responded to the outrage brought by the museum's decisions to host a satanic christmas tree so the question is why do we even allow it fox news senior correspondent said you have also you also have to think about parents who are now ending up in conversations they didn't expect because they were just going to see a bunch of christmas trees that's a really good point you know what do we do at that point actually this one we need to talk about a little bit what do we do at that point because we're teaching our kids we're teaching the future generations about the true meaning of christmas the true spirit of christmas why we are catholic what it is that um, we celebrate and why it's important and then all of a sudden something like this comes up what do we say if nothing else it really makes us question and ask well what is it that we're doing am i just showing my kids that i have to go buy presents for people because i feel obligated or because it's family and we have to wrap them and we have to put them together um i could you know is, is that all i'm talking about are we talking about how pretty the colors are of the of the of the wrapping paper the different bows are we just looking at that where in this i mean and this is interesting because i i see this you know christmas tree display and there's this outrage there's an outrage that they put up this tree that is obviously not in line with the spirit of christmas but my question is have they actually talked about why it's an outrage have they actually talked about what it is that christmas is about to begin with well let's keep reading and see what happens because what are we going to tell our kids if we don't do it for ourselves sometimes we do it for okay
All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval, wishing everybody a merry advent, happy advent. I don't know what you would say. I hope that you have a fruitful, sacrificial advent. It would be kind of the equivalent of saying, happy Lent. You know, we're always preparing the Catholic, in the Catholic Church. We're always in preparation to meet Christ. And right now in the Advent season, we're just in preparation to get to um, Christmas, to to prepare for the coming of our Lord, for the for the birth of Christ, uh, the incarnation um, of our Lord fulfilled on earth. Interesting in this article, because obviously as we try to prepare ourselves for Christmas, we're always going to be trying to be shaken. Somebody's always going to try to shake up our faith, shake up our peace. And we're reading this article about how in the state of Wisconsin, they had a Christmas tree display and they allowed a satanic Christmas tree. Why not? Now in today's day and age, that's the question of the day. As Catholics, that's what we got to be ready to answer. Why not? Because people are going to say, hey, everybody has a voice. What's the difference? The question is, what is Christmas? Is it being celebrated appropriately? And why is it that it's the Catholic or Christian faith that's always being attacked by the uh, Church of Satan? You got to ask yourself that, you know, if you if you ever wonder if we carry the truth, if we proclaim, as we proclaim we do, um, in the deposit of the faith that Christ left us, then we got to ask ourselves, yeah, we're going to be attacked. We're going to be the primary target. Let's see what the article goes on to say. It says, People celebrate Christmas and not necessarily in a Christian way. So do these folks have a right to be there? Yes. Is it in the Christian spirit? No. This article makes a good point. It's asking, you know, does somebody have a right to make up their own Christmas display, even if it's not um, in the Christmas spirit, even if it's obviously going against Christmas? Well, by First Amendment rights, by the laws of the country, yes, they do. So they they can do whatever they want. Um in the eyes of God, is it in the spirit of Christmas? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? Well, no, absolutely not. The article goes on to say this. One of the contributors said, I believe in the First Amendment. They're trying to bait you and attack them. Tell them they can't put their tree there so they can go sue you. Their organizations like that. So in other words, they're trying to put this up there so that you do make an argument, so that you do come to uh, attack them. And then, like he says, there's gonna see, they're going to sue you because what's going to happen is they're going to sue you and they're going to say, hey, this is my right. First Amendment protects my right, and then it's going to be entrenched even further. It says you have to be smarter, and you got to see it coming. You can't give up just because they show up, and I agree. The end of the day, the question was, can't we just have something nice anymore? And the reality is, folks, is that if we want to follow Christ, we might not be able to have just something nice anymore. You know, it's one of these things that we have to realize that following Christ, Christ said, you know, they attacked me first. What makes you think that they won't attack you? If they struck down the leader, how do you think that they're going to treat you? You know, this is, these are interesting things to consider. Uh, when we decided to follow the Catholic faith, it's not going to be an easy road. But let's look at this. There was another article that I saw that I thought was great because when things like this do come up, when we have to explain to our children that some people don't like the Catholic faith, that some people are going to be against the Catholic faith. In fact, some people are going to um, not just tear down our faith, but really attack it. You know, there's one thing to say, hey, you got to shut it down. Um, we don't like it. It's another thing to say, we're going to attack it. I'm going to, I'm going to mock you. I'm going to show you what's so funny about your faith. I'm going to show you what I don't like about your faith. At the end of the day, how do we fight that? Well, it's very simple. What I would say is learn your faith even better. Understand what we're fighting for. 
understand why we're doing it and understand what it means to us. What does the Christmas season really mean? And this is why I bring up the point of Advent. I think as a kid, um, you know, Advent was always kind of cool. And what I found cool about Advent was you go to church and they light the different candles. And it was always kind of fun because to me, the candles were a countdown, but they were not a sacrificial countdown. They were a countdown to, okay, how many, how many candles are left? There's four candles on the wreath. How many are left? What is it that I'm going to, uh, uh, asked for on my on my Christmas list. Um, and that's really what it came down to. It came down to, as we light more candles, I get closer to more presents. What we forget, though, is how many times do we tell our kids, hey, it's all about Christ. It's all about what am I going to do for Christ? What am I going to do in terms of uh, making sacrifices? What if there were no presents? You know what I always find funny? We always say, um, no, uh, you know, Christmas isn't about the gifts at all, at all. And yet, whenever I see, you know, my kids are watching, they watch uh, they're these cartoons uh, that come out or little shows uh, that are about Christmas or about Santa Claus or something along those lines. The funny part I find is they, um, they uh, uh, always talk about we got to save Christmas or there's a crisis in Christmas. And some some of these shows, not always, but some of these shows are all about how there's a crisis um, and Christmas is going to be ruined. Well, I've never seen any of these shows say Christmas is going to be ruined because people don't understand that it's about the birth of Christ. People don't understand that Christ is coming to save them. Christmas is going to be ruined because people aren't going to go to church and they're going to be blinded um, to the fact that Christ came to save us, that Christ came in our hearts. Um, and in fact, the people who are regulars at Christmas, they're going to be they're going to be tempted to get mad at those people who just come on Christmas Day. They're going to be tempted to be mad at the what we call the Christmas and Easter Catholics who just show up for the big feast. They're going to be tempted to not have charity in their hearts. And that can be pretty tough. That's how I would say we got to save Christmas. You know how we got to save Christmas? We got to make sure that we got mangers in every house, that we are adoring the child Jesus, that we are like the shepherds in the field, that we're called to adore the child Um and when the angels came and they said, hey, get over here and sing to the Christ child. And that that's really what's in our hearts. That's how we saved Christmas. Nope. None of these cartoons, what I always find, or these Christmas shows geared towards kids is Christmas is going to be ruined because Santa's sleigh's broken down and we got to go fix it. Christmas is going to be ruined because all the presents uh, were stolen and we got to bring the presents back. Christmas is going to be ruined because, you know, you didn't get what you wished for. That's usually the take. And that's, you know, common. gosh, as a kid, I was there too. If I didn't get the present I wanted, Christmas was indeed going to be ruined because that's what I taught was taught that Christmas was. Even going to Catholic school, you know, it's not so much that we don't want to have the festivity of Christmas. But I remember that even though we did the Christmas play and we definitely had, you know, mangers and, and we had Jesus and Mary pictures, but it went right along with, you know, the, as the as the weeks towards Christmas got closer and the teachers got a little bit um, more relaxed in their teaching. There are always coloring pages of Santa and the reindeer and, you know, the whole Santa story and the night before Christmas. The night before Christmas wasn't about how am I going to pray um, because Christ is going to appear much like the resurrection, right? So if we have the night before the before Easter, it's a big vigil because we say Christ is born, the, the uh, or Christ, excuse me, Christ is risen. The tomb is empty. Uh, well, do we ever say that on Christmas Day? We say, hey, I'm anticipating Christ is going to be born. You know, he's going to come out of the womb. Now the womb is going to be empty because Christ is on 
birth and then once again that happens in easter but we don't always share that story because you know it's not quite as colorful we have to we're going to have to be recalled we're going to have to recall that when christ came gosh it was for a specific mission you know this is where uh, i think it's interesting to say you know we can be scared or frustrated or whatnot when these christmas trees come out or when satanic temple does something or something along those lines when we we think we're supposed to be merry but let's remember as we say merry christmas let's not forget that it's because jesus was born but he was born with a very particular mission you know he wasn't born jesus was born he wasn't born into uh christmas trees and tinsel and and you know presents all around the three kings came and brought him presents to adore him as a king but the reality is he was born with a very very specific mission the mission to save us the mission to actually have to come and sacrifice and die for us that's a tough uh tough place to be you know how many of us think about that um while we're in the middle of the christmas holiday well when um I wanted to sit down and talk to one of my daughters about that because we were, we were talking about Christmases and we started getting to that conversation. Um, and then she said, well, you know, Christmas and, and Santa and gifts. And she started making her list. And I said, you know, that's all great. I get it. I don't want to get rid of that sense of happiness for you. Um, but I said, let's sit down and, and read about what Christmas is. So we opened the Bible and uh, we opened the Bible and I said, hey, let's start reading right here. And it says from the book of luke chapter 2 we started reading in verse 4 and it says so joseph went up from the town of nazareth in galilee to judea to bethlehem the town of david because he belonged to the house and line of david he went there to register with mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn a son she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So I remember telling my daughter, hey, you know, Jesus already started off and he didn't even have a home. We're lucky we have a home, a roof over our heads. We always thank God when we pray our rosary, uh, that when we, when we have all these gifts that he's given us. Um, but we have to start to think that Christ wasn't exactly coming home to a home. I think, and that's one of the things I think he's teaching us is we can't get too outraged because this isn't our home. This is not where we're going to set up the official Christmas display. That's going to happen in heaven when we get there and we see, hey, I don't know if there's going to be a Christmas, but we're going to say, hey, this is this is where, you know, it was all planned out. This is where our salvation came from. Christ is going to be born and he's going to be born to save us. He's going to be born with a specific mission where he's not, he doesn't have presents under the tree necessarily. And we kept on reading and we said, and so I told my daughter, I said, so what do we do with this? Jesus was born. He didn't have any place to stay. And she was very sad. She <laughs> she, she takes things to heart. And rightfully so. She, she let me see. And she said, now I feel really bad that I even want gifts. I said, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to just understand what the holiday is really about. And so let's keep reading and see what's going on. And it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of God shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so this is where I told my daughter, hey, in the midst of all this, let's look at what the message of the angel was. So I know you're feeling kind of bummed out now. 
But look at the message of the angel. And here's what did the angel say? The first thing he said, do not be afraid. Very common message from heaven. Obviously, when angels show up, they must be terrifying to us as human beings. Um, even when the angel appeared to Our Lady, when the Archangel Gabriel appeared to Our Lady, first thing he told her was, don't be afraid. He told her she was full of grace. So angel says, don't be afraid. And he says, I bring you good news. So this is where I told my daughter, well, it is time for us to celebrate. Because they said, this is good news. And that will cause great joy for all the people. We are supposed to be joyful about this. We're supposed to be appreciative to God. We're supposed to recognize that we are trapped. We are trapped because of our sins. We're trapped because we don't always see the right way to follow God. And here in the Christmas season, we're given the answer to that. Because I can't come out of that on my own. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I can't make up for um, an insult to an infinite God. How do I make up for that? I don't even recognize God's glory because of my shortcomings. And yet, here comes Jesus to save us. And Jesus is saying, God himself is saying, well, I'm going to save you and I'm going to do it in a way that you might not understand fully, but I'm going to sacrifice myself so you can be with me. That's love. That is love right there to say, well, I'm going to hurt myself because that's how much I love you to be with me, even though you've been hurting me. Well, today in the town of David, a savior has been born. Or when we come back from the great one, why this is important to us and how we prepare for our All right, folks, so welcome back to Virgin Moon's Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about what's the true meaning of Christmas, so to speak. Well, not so to speak, literally. And what do we do when that message isn't conveyed as we are preparing for the Christmas season, as we're in the midst of Advent? Hopefully we're making sacrifices. Hopefully we're praying. Hopefully we're doing um, what we need to do to keep that faith, to keep that our sight on Christ. Um, I think that's the most important thing that we can do for ourselves but how can we best fight the devil? So many people come up to me and say, gosh, I'm not sure if I'm diabolically afflicted. I'm not sure if I'm suffering from mental health issues. I'm not sure uh, if my loved one, my son, my daughter is experiencing uh, mental health issues because they are diabolically afflicted. And I'll tell you what, folks, it's hard to tell because, you know, diabolical affliction can look like mental health and or mental health issues and mental health issues can look like diabolical affliction. There's no getting around that. Um, but the reality is, how can I best fight that? What can I do, Dr. Sandoval? What can I do to get rid of the devil in my life? And the, it's going to be the same solutions always. It's going to be the same story, and it's going to be the same thing we need to do, which uh, people sometimes get disheartened about. And all I always say is, know your faith. Know what you need to do if you want to fight the powers of evil. Well, let's look at how the powers of evil were fought. Sometimes we think we need to do something extraordinary, something that we need to go and uh, you know, pray in front of this type of building and get rid of the psychic in the town and do all these things. The best way to do that is I don't even have to go there. I just have to go to Christ. I bet you if I just make it a point to get to the tabernacle, if I make it a point to get in front of the monsters, if I make it a point to go do a holy hour, all that other stuff's going to go away. It's not going to want to be around. It's not going to want to be near somebody who is trying to get closer to God because we forget that as we're, we think that we have to do the effort or that we have to do the getting rid of we have to that we have to make it happen and we forget that what we have to make happen is open our hearts to god get to church get to confession receive holy communion and then god's going to work once god shows up everything's going to be okay everything's going to be taken care of 
you know, as we're reading about the true meaning of Christmas, the Christmas story, the gospel of Christmas, as it is related in the book of St. Uh, the gospel of the book of St. Luke, um, we really get, kind of get to see what our mission is because every word in the Bible is important. The Bible is like the longest short story ever. You know, if you ever read a short story, every word matters. And that's true for the Bible as well. When the angel shows up to the shepherds and says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you already. We're getting, we're getting a mission. You know, this is kind of God's way of, of giving us the Christmas mission, our Christmas mission. He tells the shepherds who are kind of like us, you know, we're out in the fields, we're doing our right thing. We're, we're, you know, in the midst of our job. Did we get the Christmas message? This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Well, that right there is a command to get somewhere, to get to the town of David. Um, because he's saying, hey, this is your sign. This is what you're going to find. Well, regardless of where I am, it's like somebody telling you, hey, when you get down to this church, this is what you're going to find. You're really going to think, well, I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about going to that church. What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, look, when you get there, this is what you're going to find. Sounds like I'm supposed to go to that church. Sounds like I better find something. We've been given a mission. We've been given a mission to go find Christ. That's really what the, the Christmas message is about. Christ is already coming to us. Now we got to make our effort. We have to go find Christ. That's what Advent is. It's preparing ourselves to continue the journey over into Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is happening at every church everywhere. You just go to a tabernacle, sit in front of the tabernacle. Don't say a word just like Christ worked through us. That's going to be the most powerful way to fight all the forces of evil. So what goes on in this story is I'm relating it to my daughter, who is now kind of feeling a little bit more, okay, I've got this mission to go meet Jesus. And says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those on whom his favor rests. Now, one of the funny things is that when we hear about this choir of angels singing about the birth of Christ, sometimes we think it's it's so nice. It's a, you know, it's a little bit of a side story. We maybe imagine being in church or at a concert and there's angels on the side singing or there's a choir singing and they're, they're there to add the festivities. Well, what we got to realize is that this was actually, a, it's an actual job to sing the glory of God being born, the glory of Christ's birth. It is an actual job. How do we know? Well, if you've ever listened to any of our shows on Jesus 911 when they do the war college, you, have you ever listened to Father Ripperger speak? You realize that he says, hey, the angels gave up their jobs and that's how they ended up in hell. And there's jobs there that need to be replaced. And that's what humans are going to be doing. These are actual jobs. They're not, it's not this, uh, they just decided to go into song. No, they were mandated. You must sing the glory of God because that's how amazing God is. Uh, and really that's, if that's what we're called to what better than to be in that choir of angels. How many of us are going to be called to say, Hey, you're supposed to announce the glory of God. You're supposed to announce the birth of Christ. Why? Because some of these angels fell down. I need you to take their place. Somebody's got to do this job. There were, there were assigned positions and some of these positions need to be filled. Are you ready to do that? Are we announcing the birth of Christ? Are we singing to the high heavens, glory to God in the highest heaven and on peace the, on to those on whom his favor rests? Are we taking on that job? That's really what it comes down to. I need to go meet Christ to see what my job is. A lot of times we forget that we have, we, we forget that we have a, a job to do and we feel a lack of purpose. Who am I in this world? What am I doing? I feel so depressed. Well, I think if we go to the tabernacle and we say, 
God, what job do you have for me today? What is it that I'm supposed to do today? I know that you have a job for me. There's something I got to be doing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Please guide me in the right direction. Maybe it was just to say hi to somebody and smile and make their day great. Maybe it was to wear my cross and, you know, unbeknownst to me, remind people to pray. Remind people that Christ is what matters. Let's go on and see what jobs, uh, what other jobs are done here. It says, when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. We're getting this message. We're supposed to find this Christ. Let's go to Bethlehem. That's our job to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, this is what's important. I think this is one of the most important things, uh, passages, I should say. This is from Luke chapter 2, verse, this is verse 16 now, 16 through uh, 18. This is important when it comes to our Christmas mission. I love this part. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. I love that it goes in that order. Uh, why? Because we always say to Jesus through Mary. How am I going to find Jesus, especially if he's a baby in swaddling clothes? This is Christmas time, right? When he's born on December 25th, how am I going to go find a baby somewhere? If I want, if one of my relatives had a baby, if there's a baby somewhere around, what's the first thing I'm going to do to be able to find this baby? I'm going to say, well, where are the parents? I got to talk to the parents. I'm not, I can't just go see this baby without talking to the parents. The parents have to get permission. It'd be like when, gosh, if I had my kids and somebody just shows up and says, I need to see the baby, I'd be like, hey, who are you? You know, why are you here to see my baby? But notice that they got to go through the parents first to see the baby. We say that all the time in our faith. We say, have you prayed to Mary? Pray to St. Joseph. St. Joseph, who is the terror of demons, uh, we pray to them. We go to, If we go to church and we start praying and we ask the saints to intercede for us and we say, Mary and Joseph, please show me the baby. Because I came here, I might not be able to find the baby, but if you're holding them, I know you're going to show them to me. I know you're going to know the ins and outs of the baby and what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I can be like the shepherds. Once the shepherd's mission, they went to go see the baby. And then what did they do? When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And then when they went to tell people about it, people were amazed. Sometimes we feel like, oh, we're not going to be listened to. Who's going to say anything? Well, in this Advent season, we can talk about Christmas, but I think it's a time to spread the news about the child. It's a time to say, hey, we're going to go find this baby. I'm in the midst of finding this baby. That's what, that's my job right now. That's what I want to do. Um, is that something that, you know, I feel like I can do? Well, sometimes we might be embarrassed. Sometimes when I feel who's going to listen to me, sometimes I might feel like, I don't know that I'm powerful enough. People who's going to, who's going to, they're going to make fun of me. Well, if I'm like the shepherds, I don't think they cared. And these are shepherds. Who's going to listen to some shepherds in a field and said, Hey, these angels appeared to me and they told me there's going to be this child. And that's exactly what happened. And guess what? The people were amazed. So when we start, if we let God work through us and we start talking about Christ to people, we start letting people know, no, you know, it's Christmas. Well, why aren't you going to go to the holiday party? Why aren't you going to eat this? No, no, no. I'm fasting a little bit. I'm preparing for the birth of Christ. I'm preparing my heart to be ready for the birth of Christ. I know that this holiday meal is important. I'll eat a little bit. Maybe I'll, I'll you know, I'll sit here and chat with you, but there's things I'm not going to, well, why aren't you doing that? Because I'm fasting, I'm preparing, I'm sacrificing for Christ. That's a powerful message. That kind of reminds people, oh, he's doing that for Christ. Well, yeah, because when I find this baby, 
I'm going to be overjoyed. I'm going to tell you how wonderful he is. That might put a bug in people's ear and make them think, hey, maybe I should do that too. But you know what the best way to do this is, folks? We need to know our faith better than other people do. Because you know how you know how people are going to get to us? People are, you know, anybody who wants to bring down our faith, they can't make fun of us. They can't ridicule us. They can't um, put, you know, displays to, to mock us. If they don't know what they're mocking or making fun of, they know the faith sometimes better than we do. And that's the part that is sad. I think this is where we have to really ask ourselves, how well do I know my faith? Am I teaching my faith to my kids so that they're not shocked, so that they're not too surprised, so that they understand that, hey, we've got something to celebrate. Well, let's look at this. I found another great little article, and it's called Nine Catholic Traditions That Highlight the Christmas Season. It's a pretty good article. Um, and let's just go through the traditions because this is what we can talk to our kids about. How do we prepare for the birth of Christ during the Advent season? Well, let's start with the Advent wreath. The Advent wreath, um, it symbolizes the passage of the four weeks of Advent in the Western church. So the Advent wreath, when we light these candles, are a reminder, just like it's called the Advent wreath, that we are in the season of Advent, that we are in the time of preparation, um, and that we need to um, you know, hold on to the truths of the faith. The Advent wreath is going to remind us of <clears throat> uh, our, our, as the time goes by, what is happening in our hearts? What is happening as far as are we ready to see Christ? A week has gone by. What did I do during this week? Did I sacrifice enough? Well, we're coming down here on the next break, but when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the other Catholic traditions that we need to follow. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to The Dr. Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about how do we really, really, really get to know our faith? How do we understand what's going on during the Advent season and what it is that we are preparing for when we talk about Christmas? We need to pass this on to our kids so that we're not shocked when the rest of the world doesn't celebrate it the way we do. I know we were talking earlier about, hey, you know, there was a satanic Christmas tree display and there's all these different things. But the reality is, I don't need that. If I'm waiting for that to shock me into Christmas, then we're in a sad state of affairs, you know. How many times do we see people saying that they're going to celebrate Christmas, um, but they do a gift exchange with their families? And I actually had a friend like this. I knew somebody who I worked with, and they were she proclaimed to be atheist. And she said, but my family celebrates Christmas. Well, I didn't want to get into a big argument. We were in a meeting, um, and she was sharing this in the media. I didn't want to start to, it was not the right, place or time to be charitable it wouldn't have been charitable to to have gotten into the argument about it at that time um i shared with her later what we do and how you know christmas being the birth of christ we go to church and we put up our manger but what they what she shared was she was atheist and she was going to uh her family exchange gifts and they talked about santa and that was about it because it's christmas and that's what you do and I told her, oh, well, you know, I go to church because we celebrate the birth of Christ, you know, Christmas. Kind of said something like that to her, you know, at first when we were talking. And she just kind of stopped and thought about it and didn't know how to reply. She didn't know what to say. But this is my point with this is we have to realize that we really need to start 
teaching our children and really reminding ourselves what it is that we're doing at Christmas. Why is it that we're celebrating Christmas? What is in our hearts at Christmas? When we light those Advent candles, the first one being purple, well, we go purple, purple, pink, and then purple. Uh, every week I was telling my daughter, it's a different candle for a different uh, representation. And I said, well, the first week is hope. So we, we light it because we have the hope that Christ was going to be born. The next week is peace because that's what we're praying for. Christ hopefully uh, will bring peace into our hearts. The pink one is joy because we're getting closer. We are getting um, closer to Christ. And we look at how the shepherds felt when they heard the call of Christ. So like I told her, I said, well, it kind of gives us a week to get closer to Christ. And then the last one, of course, is what did God bring to the world? What is God essentially in his essence? He's love. And that's what the last candle represents. So it's a beautiful tradition to have, to look at the Advent wreath uh, and to have that. Now, in our homes, the other question I have is, do we have a nativity scene? I love nativity scenes. I collect nativity scenes. I have nativity scenes everywhere in, in the house. My wife is tired of all my nativity scenes, although she likes them too. She can't argue about that. But the nativity scene actually was a tradition that was started by St. Francis of Assisi. Some of these other things you might read about, you know, the Christmas tree and Advent wreaths and things like that. And you might see that they came out of pagan traditions or things of that nature. Okay, we can we can look back at history and say it is or it isn't. Um, but the nativity scene, there's no way that came out of a pagan uh, culture. It's credited to St. Francis of Assisi. There's questions about who um, came up with it. Uh, but it was the idea to make public worship of Christ during the Christmas season. How much more Catholic can we get than representing the birth of Christ? You have to have Our Lady there. For as much as people say, oh, you worship Our Lady. No, we don't worship Our Lady. We venerate her. But during this Christmas season, we need to turn to the manger where Christ is there. And there's no way that you cannot have his mother there. It wouldn't make sense. And his dad, Mary and St. Joseph, were both there. And this is how we come to Christ. The manger scene is a perpetual reminder of the true meaning of Christmas. It's a, it's, there's no way to get around it. There's no Santa in the manger scene. Not that there's anything wrong with St. Nick, because that's another one of our traditions that we need to look at. But do we have a manger scene set up in our home? That would be important. The Feast of St. Nicholas. Now, Feast of St. Nicholas is December 6th proper. St. Nicholas is actually the patron of the Eastern Catholic churches. Uh, and so it is a big, big feast for the Eastern churches when they do the Feast of St. Nicholas. Uh, I know that at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Anaheim, we do plays and the kids get presents and uh, whatnot, but they understand that it's St. Nicholas who shows up to do this. Um, it's an important feast and it really comes down to, hey, we can celebrate Saint, the Feast of St. Nicholas. Let's celebrate it on December 6th. And it really highlights that. Who is St. Nicholas? What did he do? He was the Bishop of Myra, sure. He was very generous with the poor. He went around gift-giving secretly. And that's where we you know we say secret Santa, the word Santa comes from St. Nicholas and whatnot. But it really teaches our children that if we celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th, it is a separate celebration from the Feast of the Birth of Christ on the Nativity, December 25th. So these are important things to consider. Now, a big one that I explained to my kids is the Immaculate Conception. We are here in the Advent season, and December 8th is the Immaculate Conception. When is it? What is it? A lot of people assume that Jesus is the Immaculate Conception, and it's not. 
the conception of Jesus, the the uh, we celebrate March twenty fifth, right? Well, that's the Annunciation, which would be the the conception of Christ. Uh, that's nine months before Christmas. No surprise there. The Immaculate Conception is a celebration of Our Lady. If anybody recalls, during her apparition to Saint Bernadette, she told her at uh, at uh, Lourdes, she told her, "I am the Immaculate Conception." It means that she was received without original sin, because what better or what other kind of vessel could Christ possibly be born from? It would be impossible for God to be born from an impure vessel. It just could not happen, theologically speaking, logically speaking. It would be impossible. It doesn't make sense. Christ came to redeem us. He didn't come to uh, lower himself uh, other than to make himself human, but he wouldn't be able to be part of sin, so to speak. He's here to take us out of that sin. And that's one of the important things to consider. But why is Our Lady the Immaculate Conception? Because Christ needed that perfect vessel to be born. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful feast day. It's a holy day of obligation, technically speaking. Sometimes I know the bishops will say, it's okay, you can go on Sunday and we'll celebrate it on Sunday. But the Immaculate Conception, if you look at who God is and what's going on, needed to happen. And there's no other way that Christ could have been born into the world. So that's an important feast day, very important feast day. Um, another feast day that we celebrate, December 13th, is the feast day of St. Lucy. Now, she is a virgin martyr killed by the Romans. No surprise that we celebrate her feast day right around this time when we're looking at purity, when we're looking at light, when we're looking at getting out of the darkness. What better than a virgin martyr, who, somebody who gave up their life for the faith and who was undefiled, shall we say, or she was pure. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with intimacy. Obviously, in marriage, the sacrament of marriage is important. The intimacy in marriage is important. The physical intimacy in marriage is important. But if somebody, the virginity, we forget in our modern world uh, that there's virtues of modesty, that virginity matters, that it's important, that it is something that is held high in the church. And it, how do we know that? Because even the saints get the title virgin and martyr. It is a title given to somebody. That's an important thing to consider. Um, and especially to teach our children. That's something I teach my kids. I say, hey, the world's going to tell you very differently about this. But the reality is, this is something that carries a lot of weight. It's very, very important. You need to understand, you know, you're, it's going to be played down and told it's a gift and whatnot. And it is. It's a beautiful gift that God gave us that we need to know how to handle. But the Feast of St. Lucy is a great time to talk about purity, about light and darkness. Um, and to really... Let our kids know, hey, this is a part of our mission. Interestingly enough, St. Lucy is the patron saint of the blind. Um, and I think that that's interesting for us during this Advent season. Are we blind to so many things? Um, are we blinded by the Christmas festivities that the world has before us? Hopefully not. Hopefully St. Lucy, we can pray to St. Lucy and ask her to help us see the light of Christ more than anything else. Of course, then we get to the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day celebrations. How could those not be important? That is that we've made it to the holiday, and now we can start celebrating. That's the important part. For a lot of our kids, we think, oh, that, that that's when they're going to end their celebration. They just want to open their gifts, and that's it. Christmas is over. For us as Catholics, that's actually when we start celebrating. That's when we start the octave of Christmas. That's when we say, hey, we no longer have to sacrifice. Much like in Lent, we get to Easter. And we say now, um, you know, gosh, I've been sacrificing during Lent. I've been not eating meat on Fridays. I've been, um, you know, I gave up chocolate, whatever it is people uh, do to, to um, celebrate. 
or to sacrifice, I'd say, then all of a sudden we get to Easter and we celebrate. It's the same thing with Christmas. If I know this, if somebody comes to me and says, oh, you know, you guys, uh, you're, you know, you got it all wrong. You're, you should be celebrating Christmas already. You should be uh, having parties beforehand. We should be doing all these things. No, this is where I can share my faith and say, no, this is the way we celebrate. This is what we do. Not ready to celebrate yet because I'm still preparing for Christ. If nothing else, people might find it strange or odd because that's not the way the world traditionally comes upon Christmas. When people start celebrating Christmas early, but it puts a bug in people's ear and it lets them know, hey, this is something a little bit different. What is it that we're doing? Once you put the word Christ out there, once you start talking about Christ, it changes the conversation. People uh, have different thoughts on it. People have different images about it. Um, and then you actually kind of get to know who your friends are. You know, um, it's important to um, to not be afraid of, of talking about our faith, to not be afraid of what it is that we are celebrating and what we want people to know about our faith. A couple more feasts, the feast days, uh, and a couple more uh, traditions that we have in the Catholic faith. So the Feast of St. Stephen, no surprise, the Feast of St. Stephen comes on December 26th, right after Christmas Eve, uh, or excuse me, right after Christmas Day. Um, and why is that so important? Well, just like we said with the Feast of St. Lucy, she was a martyr killed by the Romans. St. Stephen was actually our first martyr. He was a deacon in the early church. Why is this important? To have the day after Christmas, we're just celebrating the birth of Christ. Now we say, hey, Advent is done. We can actually start to have our, our candy and our pastries and whatnot. And now we have the same Feast of St. Stephen. And all it is is a downer. This guy got killed. He's a martyr. So I don't want to talk about St. Stephen. No, I think it's a perfect time to talk about St. Stephen because it's a reminder to all of us that Christ was born with a mission. Christ was born to die because he believed in us. Kind of in a martyrdom way or in a martyrdom kind of way. We do we do the same for Christ. St. Stephen died because he believed in Christ. Because he said uh, he got mad or he got the uh, the local Jewish Sanhedrin mad because he was teaching about Christ, because he was teaching and saying that Christ came to deliver us, that Christ, much like Moses, came to deliver us, um, and he denounced the Jewish authorities, uh, and then all of a sudden, he was stoned to death, and why? Because he held on to the truths of Christ. Well, a couple more feasts, the Solemnity of Mary on January 1st, and the Feast of the Epiphany. These are the important traditions in our Catholic faith. This is what we've got to keep reminding people about you know, January 1st, what a great way to start the calendar new year um, and celebrate Mary, go to mass. And then lastly, the epiphany. Are we like the three kings? Can we recognize Christ? Hopefully in our hearts, we find Christ and hopefully in our hearts, we understand, hey, when I'm celebrating Christmas, it's because I prepared. It's because I decided, hey, you know what? Christ is in my heart. I'm going to teach people about Christ and I'm going to wait until he's born. I'm going to go, but I'm, well, I'm not just going to wait. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to go to the tabernacle. I'm going to be like the shepherd. That's our Christmas. That's how we're going to fight any dark entity. And here, close the show, I want to say, hey, happy Advent to everybody. And hopefully down the road, we're going to say Merry Christmas. And until next time, Dr. Cannibal saying, keep it Catholic.